0: Well, good morning again. As I said earlier, it's really good to be here and to be with you. Thank you, Calvin and the team for leading us. We are nearing the end of a series that we've been working our way through on Sunday mornings for a number of weeks called Where Do We Grow From Here? And we've been thinking over the last seven weeks or so, what does it mean to be a church that is growing? What does it mean to be a church that is healthy and fruitful? Uh, Ken, our senior minister, is on holiday at the moment, but he is using this theme as he travels around the country in his role as president of the Baptist Union, and he's travelling, spending time with churches and leaders, asking this very question of our whole stream of churches, a whole denomination, where do we grow from here? And we are in a season two as a church where we are praying that question, Lord, where do we grow from here? Asking him the question, For ourselves, what is God saying to us as a church about growth and also thinking about it as individuals? What does it mean for me as an individual to grow when I'm on my frontline place tomorrow, where I am, wherever my Monday might take me this week? What does it mean for me to be a better, growing, healthy disciple of Jesus? And this morning our title is On Our Watch. Uh, Calvin's introduced our passage really helpfully for us this morning. What I really want to do is get the stepladder out and get some grown-ups to climb it, but we won't do that because we haven't risk assessed it. But we are going to look at these verses in Colossians 3 that Calvin's already introduced for us. So let's just read them again. This is Paul writing to the Colossian Christians, and he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So as we've been thinking about in the worship, Paul is encouraging us to have a things above mindset, to set our minds on things above. And we'll unpack that together as we go through that this morning. What does it mean when Paul says set your hearts and set your minds on things above? How do we do that? This phrase on our watch is an interesting phrase it's been used by, um, in many areas for hundreds and hundreds of years by soldiers, by sailors, by officers of the law to mean keeping a watch, keeping vigil on land or at sea. A watch means a guard or an observation, someone who kept watch in towns or on military posts and aboard ships, taking shifts through the watches of the night to look out for danger or a change in circumstances. Now, while that might be the most common use of this phrase about a watch or a lookout, when I read the title for this morning, when I thought, ah, I'm speaking on the 7th of July, on our watch, interesting, this, I promise you, is the very first thing that popped into my mind. (laughs) Meerkats keeping watch. The humble meerkat made famous by some... TV adverts about car insurance, of course. Here's a question for you. Does anybody know what a group of meerkats is called? Any guesses or anyone actually know? A, it's not a watch, although wouldn't that have been good? (laughs) My answer's disappointing in comparison because that would have tied in nicely. Any other guesses? People don't know this, it's a mob. A mob of meerkats, or a gang of meerkats, apparently. Every day is a school day. Don't you say you don't learn anything from the Sunday teaching at Titita Baptist Church? A mob of meerkats. Now, there are very few uh, mammals who work together as well as meerkats, and in a mob, um, every animal is involved in gathering food and um, looking after the pups and watching out for predators. So when a group go out to look for food, the, uh, the mob babysitters, as I'm now going to call anyone who babysits for my children, the mob babysitters stay back to watch the babies, and they're on high alert. And they take shifts in looking out for predators and keeping the group safe. So whether it's the more customary or military association, or whether it's a, a mob or a gang of meerkats, this idea of being on duty, being on guard, is familiar to us and from the practical meaning of that phrase came the metaphor that we now use if something happens on my watch it means it happens under my supervision it happens under my authority when I'm the responsible one when I'm in charge when we say not on my watch we're saying that won't happen while I'm responsible or in charge. I'm taking some responsibility here and there's some things I won't let happen on my watch. As we think about growth and God's kingdom and a things above mindset and when we look out from this view and see what's going on in our world and in our culture, I wonder whether a godly response for us as Christians is not on my watch not on our watch, that we don't want to be the sort of people that just sit back and let things happen, that while we're here as disciples of Jesus, on our watch, we will do all that we can for his kingdom and because of his heavenly perspective that he's given us. Paul brings the Colossian Christians an exhortation in our passage, in this new paragraph in his letter at the beginning of chapter 3. He's spoken a bit before about all that's going on at the time for the uh, Colossian Christians, and he wants to strongly encourage them, and he exhorts them towards godliness. And he gives them two commands, two imperatives here. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above. Set your hearts and set your minds on things above. And these two commands are in the present continuous tense. They should be read in the sense that we're to be constantly seeking the things above. Continue setting your hearts and your minds on things above. Go on doing that. Set your hearts and your minds constantly, consistently, all the time, on things that are above. Why? For you died, and your life is now, today, this day, and in the days ahead, your life is now, hidden with Christ in God. As Christians in our daily lives, out in our frontline places, we should be pursuing the things that are about who and where Jesus is. That is a things-above mindset. Looking to who and where Jesus is and pursuing those things. When we have the view from above, things look different. Those little kids could see right to the back of the church. When we have that perspective, we are on watch. We're on guard, keeping guard, surveying the scene working out and sussing out what's going on in our world around us. As part of Ken's year as president, he has made a whole series of short little videos. And I know those of you who are in uh, our network of home groups um, are following this series at the moment and you're watching little snippets of Ken. You have Ken every Wednesday night or whenever you meet, sharing a few thoughts for you to discuss. And I want to show you his clip on this theme this morning, as well as you looking at it in your home groups. Here, Ken talks about this idea of on our watch, and he uses um, a personal illustration that's helpful. So, have a look at this.
1: Colossians 3 and verse 2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's a very straightforward verse, but it's so hard to do that very often. Our minds are so often focused on earthly things. If we think beyond that just for a moment, we do need to think about kingdom things and the state of play of things in our nation and things within our stream of churches and how things are genuinely going. That's why I pick out that verse for us to look out today. What does it look like if we consistently try to set our mind on things above? When my son was younger. He played table tennis reasonably competitively. Table tennis is the game that has changed the most in my lifetime. It might not look so, but it really has. The ball is bigger than it used to be when I played table tennis. The scoring is different. It used to go up to 21 and now it's 11 for some reason. I think think both things would have made it more TV friendly, but I haven't noticed it become a big TV sport as a result. The bats have changed so much so that There's so much spin now from the bats that you have to have different colour rubbers on each side so that the opponent can see which side of the bat you're using when you play each shot. One result of that is that at the end of these now shorter games, the rule is that you have to put your bat down on the table and leave the ball in case you tamper with the ball as well on the table. And then you're allowed to go up to your coach who's just standing just outside and ask him for some advice before you go and play another short game. On one occasion, the coach for whatever reason was taking another team to a match and I was asked to take my son and a small group of other boys and girls to a match somewhere else, which I was very happy to do. The first game took place, it wasn't my son. At the end of that first short game up to 11, that boy put his bat down, he put the ball down by the bat so that it wouldn't roll off the table And then he came and stood next to me and paused. And I realized that I was the coach. Like nobody had told me I was the coach. I thought I was the driver. And so what would you do in that situation? Well, I asked loads of open questions. Like, so how how do you think it went? Why do you think you lost that game? What do you think you could do to improve next time when you get back out there? After that I realised I was the coach for the whole day and I watched a lot harder and I asked more poignant questions and because I know a little bit and I could see a little bit of what was going on, I tried to give some advice. What if we are that sort of coach to each other regarding what's going on in the whole of our lives? What are the questions that you can ask of one another in order to help one another when we get back out there, back into the game? And if we're church leaders, What are the questions and resources that we can ask and the pointers that we can give to help one another, our congregations, get back into the game as well? We need to be honest with each other and take a looking from above, setting our hearts on things above and our minds on things above attitude to what's going on in our nation. And ask maybe this question, if we we keep doing what we're doing without any changes as a group of churches, Baptist Together Churches in the UK, what would the picture be in 10 years? if the Lord doesn't return, or 20 years. There'll be some churches that experience some growth, no doubt, but the overall picture will be one of decline. And surely we can't be okay with that. Surely we have to recognise that on our watch this is happening and therefore that calls for us to reach out imaginatively and creatively. One of the ways that we can all do that whether we're leaders or not, is to accept the fact that when we gather together on a Sunday or in small groups, we are the coach. We may not feel equipped to, like I didn't, but what we can do is we can ask open questions that help us to find out enough of what's going on in other people's frontline situations to give them pointers and advice and prompts and at the very least, prayer. So then. What are the questions that you could be regularly asking of each other that enable you to do that very important thing?
0: We, um, as a staff team, we joke with Ken that he knows so many random facts about so many things. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest he knows about the history of table tennis. He's got a kind of encyclopedic knowledge of random facts. um, And he's using that as an example, the whole table tennis example, as one... One application, one application of this on our watch idea. We're broadly thinking this morning that if we consistently set our minds on things above, then our attitude and our perspective changes. Our kingdom view will shape uh, how we live and what we do. And there are just two aspects of this not on our watch idea to mention as we seek to be in Christ and with his heavenly perspective. And one is this idea that we've got a responsibility for each other. Ken describes it, whether we're expecting it or not, as being like a coach. He found himself unexpectedly being a coach in that game, did his best to help the children who were there competing to play and improve their game. What if we are like a coach in respect to each other and what's going on in the whole of our lives. Asking open questions, being a support, bringing some accountability. I think we can shy away from this a little bit. There's a kind of British reserve, isn't there, that doesn't really like to pry into someone else's life. There's a who am I to, to judge or to question or to prod in some way. That's their private business. But, you know, this is part of discipleship. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, being iron sharpens iron for each other is part of the deal. The writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10, "...let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds." That's part of church community considering how we can encourage each other to be better disciples of Jesus. If we are in Christ, if we've died and are now in him with our hearts set above, then our front lines will look different and we'll have a responsibility to each other. You know, I'm so grateful for the times in my own life when people have asked questions or clarifications or kept me accountable for certain decisions that i would made. I am a better disciple of Jesus because other people were able to have influence for me and were willing to steer me? How can we encourage others as disciples and how can we make sure that we are open to people doing that for us? We're in the middle of the Wimbledon tennis tournament at the moment. I used to live near Wimbledon and I love Wimbledon and this person is in Uh, Made all the headlines. This is um, Coco Goff. She's 15. You might have seen her playing. She's won three matches already. 15-year-old girl. And uh, she beat Venus Williams in the first round of Wimbledon at the beginning of the week. Venus is 24 years older than her at 39 and it was a great match to watch. I haven't actually managed to see loads of tennis but I watched uh, quite a bit of that first match that she was playing against Venus Williams and um, the emotion for her, not only as she won that first round in Wimbledon but who she beat, one of her heroes. um, uh, Coco Goff said that the Williams sisters had inspired her to first pick up a tennis racket and she was asked, what did you even say to Venus when the match was finished? What do you say to someone like that when you've just beaten them? And she said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. I told her she was so inspiring, and I've always wanted to tell her that, but I've never had the guts to before. More and more young black women are picking up a tennis racket because of the modelling and the influence of the Williams sisters, because they saw Serena and Venus do it first. Never discount the power of visual discipleship. We spur each other on in personal encouragement and accountability. Absolutely, yes, we do. But we also do it in the lives that we model, as we go ahead. Someone who may never even really speak to us could be watching and learning. On our watch, we should want other people to be better disciples of Jesus because of the influence we have and what we model. And that's a challenge, not just for some, but for every single one of us. So there's this sense of responsibility that we have for each other, but also a collective responsibility that we all have for growing God's kingdom and for seeing his kingdom grow and expand. Paul calls our attention away from earthly things. Set your mind on things above, heavenly things. Uh, steer yourselves away from the everyday non-eternal stuff that it's so easy for us to get consumed with. For the Colossian Christians, it was the influence of um, heresy and false teaching and certain behaviours that were associated with that. For us, it will be other things that pull us away from a kingdom mindset. The 21st century obsession that we have with self and consumerism, being caught up with the stuff that we have and what we look like, it all being about who we are and what we want. When Paul says, set your hearts and your minds on things above, it's anti that. It's the opposite of that. It's about uh, who Jesus is and where he is and what he wants from us. As Christians, we're part of a family that we have a responsibility towards. Ken reminded us in his uh, video there that we are part of a stream of churches in our Baptist denomination, and we're part of the the whole body of the Church of Christ nationwide and worldwide, and we need to be realistic about the bigger picture, the -the up-the-ladder view of what's going on. If we keep doing, we as collective churches in our nation, if we keep doing what we're doing in the way that we currently do it, where will we be in 10 years or 20 years? Where's the trajectory? Some churches will grow, but the overall picture is decline. And maybe there's something in us that should say, not on our watch. We're not going to sit back and let that happen. This big picture perspective, as we look out with a bird's eye kingdom view, says that actually we need to be bold and creative and willing to do things differently and willing to make personal sacrifices Otherwise, on our watch, we may see churches dwindle. This is part of the reason that we as a church are thinking about what God might be calling us to do in bosom. If you've been here uh, for a few weeks, you may have heard us talk about the possibility of starting something in the bosom area. We've talked about the fact that we as a church are growing and full. That even today, on a Sunday, when there are different activities, alternative gatherings happening, that are taking significant numbers of people out, that we are full and thriving. We are bucking the trend by God's grace, and it is all his grace. That we are growing and thriving, and that our children's groups especially are full to bursting. And alongside the space issues, we're also feeling stirred up about the fact that we've got a growing number of people who um, are part of our church family, who live in Bosham or around in Fishbourne and Emsworth and so on. And we're just wondering whether God is calling those two things together for us. Our growth here, a heart for what's happening there that we're just wondering whether God is calling us in some way to gather in that area, to think about some kind of sister congregation that will enable us to disciple each other effectively in a smaller setting and reach out in a creative and effective way. Thank you to those of you who met with us at the beginning of June. If you live in and around the area, we met, we met to pray and start to think. We're not clear exactly what shape this is going to take yet still, but we just feel it's right to pursue it to push some doors, and to trust God going forwards. So we've booked the Bosom Village Hall for three Sunday mornings in the autumn, once a month. One in September, one in October, and one in November. And the idea is just to gather. For those who want to go on this journey with us, if you don't and it's not for you, that's no problem. But if you want to continue this journey to push the doors and to see and to think, we'll gather for some worship and some teaching and some input. There'll be groups for children. We will eat together. We will pray together. We will think about mission together. And we will think about how we can potentially gather in a way that's meaningful and relevant, both in terms of discipling us and our children, every generation, as well as reaching out in a creative way for those who don't yet know Jesus. If you've got questions about that, please come and talk to us. We're doing lots of chatting at the moment, talking it through with people. Come and talk to us. But for all of us, please, please pray. Who knows what God wants to do or how he'll do it? Is this part of our answer to us saying, not on our watch, that we want to see expressions of God's kingdom, collaborative expressions popping up all over the place? as we pray and seek him for kingdom growth. We live with this challenge that the culture is changing. And if you have a kingdom perspective, if you have a things above mindset, if you're up the ladder of prayer and you look out, our culture is changing so fast. The message of Jesus doesn't change. Of course it doesn't. The gospel stays the same. The timeless message of Jesus is the same. But... People around are changing. Our culture and attitudes are changing. The way that we communicate the gospel has got to change if we are to help people who are friends of the church, who are our friends, become friends of Jesus. As we come to finish, let's just uh, land back where we started with these verses. We began by using them as a pointer to worship and they're just, they're just really, really wonderful verses. I find in them both a, a challenge and an encouragement. So they point us to worship this one who is above. Set our hearts and our minds on him. When we do that, when we have that perspective, there's this challenge, this challenge that we have a responsibility for each other, on our watch to look out for each other, on our watch thinking about kingdom and growth and a collective responsibility for God's church together, to be willing to try some bold things for that end. But then we come back again to worship again. My life is hidden in Christ. Our lives are hidden with him.